Hello, this is Pastor Lanny Westfall, and welcome to this journey through Lent of finding joy. We are going to be visiting the city of Philippi with the Apostle Paul, and we are going to be studying his letter to the early church in Philippians. He wrote this letter from prison, and it shows very much how despite all of our difficult circumstances, we can find joy. And so during Lent, help us find joy together as we journey toward the resurrection and we realize that the tomb is empty and Jesus is Lord. Thanks, Pastor Lanny. Hi, everyone. This is Robert, your new worship and music director. For this podcast, we asked our three newest staff members and three members of the congregation to pick three songs that bring them joy and to reflect on them as well as the reading selected for each week. We hope you enjoy this series, Finding Joy. I'm Mike Brandes, and I'm glad you're joining us for this podcast. I'm now in my sixth year at Lord of Life, and I've been an active participant in music, assisting ministers, and the generosity team. Now, just as music is a special part of this podcast series, 
Let me begin by saying it's been an important part of my entire life. At times in the past, I've played piano, guitar, and organ, including in church, but today I leave those to more accomplished musicians. As a Boy Scout, I serenaded our troop on the bugle with reveille and taps, but I haven't noticed much demand for that in church lately. My most consistent musical pleasure has been singing. From at least four years old, when I was learning the Slovak songs of my parents' heritage, to youth choir in church, to my high school choir, and in my adult years with men's chorus, sanctuary choirs, and now called to praise. The first podcast in this series by Robert Martin talked about his musical journey. By coincidence, my first thought when I was invited to participate was to revisit my own musical journey during my seven-plus decades. Parenthetically, I encourage you to listen to his podcast and also to those by Chris Ellenbaum and Deb Hunter if you haven't done so yet. Because we're talking about what brings us joy in these podcasts, you might have been a little surprised with the hymn you just heard, and I'll explain that choice in just a couple minutes. First, I need to clarify what I think are two kinds of joy. One, I'm calling exuberant joy. That's the kind we feel when we just want to stand up and sing or clap or dance. Now, please don't get me wrong. I love that kind of joy. Given that this is the week of celebrating St. Patrick, exuberant joy is what I feel when musicians with fiddles, flutes, Irish bagpipes, and the Bowron drum start playing a traditional Irish jig. The feeling is magnified when they're joined by a troupe of step dancers who have so much energy I'm exhausted just watching. I even keep Irish pub radio on my home Sonos for fun. This is also the kind of joy I feel when I hear or sing the Hallelujah Chorus in Handel's Messiah or the Ode Freude, the Ode to Joy, from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I love that latter melody so much, I was inspired to write an Easter hymn set to it about 40 years ago. The second kind of joy is what I want to focus on, and it's what I call quiet joy. I think this is what we feel when we've had a long and tiring day, or some exhausting experience, but we feel really good when it turned out well, maybe even better than we expected. Or it may be after some loss or disappointment when we realize that God and God's people are surrounding us with love to help us carry on. Or perhaps it's when we suddenly realize that we are the one God chose to make a difference for someone else that day. If you're like me, there are actually more of those quiet joy experiences. Given that Lent is a time for reflection, I'd like to focus on this quiet joy and some thoughts and especially church music associated with it. I've had the privilege in my life to witness several generational changes in church music. The first generation is represented by that first song you heard, The King of Love My Shepherd Is. The lyrics were written in 1868 by Sir Henry William Baker, an Anglican priest and prolific hymn writer. It's said that his final words on his deathbed were from the third verse of that hymn. 
This piece represents a gift from an older tradition common in the 18th and 19th centuries. Together, the words and music of this song capture several important elements. First, it's based on the 23rd Psalm, perhaps the most famous and best loved of all. Second, these words are set to a traditional Irish tune called St. Columba, which is especially appropriate this week as we celebrate the patron saint of Ireland who was a shepherd of the church in a land with many metaphorical and literal sheep. Now, it's unsettling, perhaps, to hear that Baker's words were written less than 20 years after the Irish potato famine, also known as the Great Hunger. About one million, mostly poor, rural, Catholic men, women, and children literally died from starvation or disease exacerbated by malnutrition. Another two million left their homeland, hoping for a better life in North America. The Irish population decreased from 8 million to about 5 million. Now think of the impact if three out of every eight people you know suddenly died or left for another country today. Thousands of children who were orphaned when their parents died were left to fend for themselves as they reached adulthood just as Baker was writing this hymn. When Kathy and I visited Ireland, we could still see the remnants of abandoned potato fields, and we heard stories of the many challenges faced by the Irish people. In addition to the famine, numerous times they have walked through what the psalmist calls the valley of the shadow of death, due to centuries of oppression under previous centuries of British rule. So in the face of all that grief, where could anyone possibly find joy? It comes in the very next words in the psalm, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. With God being for us, who can be against us? And for me, one example of that strength is the resilient Irish spirit that lives on in its people, music, and country. As I think about this hymn now, I'm reminded once again of the verdant green pastures and hillsides of sheep, as well as the beautiful people we so thoroughly enjoyed. Okay, so how does this relate to the joy the Apostle Paul could apparently find even in his multiple imprisonments? In Acts 16.25, we're told that while Paul and Silas were in Philippi, they were whipped, beaten, and jailed for disturbing the peace like I'm sure many of us would do in that situation. They chose to entertain other prisoners by singing hymns, most likely the same Old Testament psalms they learned growing up in Jewish synagogues. So let me ask you this. Have you ever considered that one of their very first choices in their pain and as they faced the shadow of death in their cell might have been the 23rd Psalm, the source of our first hymn, and what brings comfort and perhaps quiet joy to so many of us in difficult moments. I believe we have a direct connection to St. Paul and countless generations who have loved this psalm. Now, given the role of music in this podcast, perhaps Paul would have paired a Susa march with the marching orders he gave to the Philippians in our first reading from the book of Philippians, 
chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. End of quote. If you somehow heard an ominous warning about needing to earn salvation, I hear something much different. I hear words of encouragement as Paul reminds the Philippians, and ultimately us, that the Spirit of God is living and working in us. With that inspiration and gift, we too can shine like stars as we share the good news of Jesus Christ, even in a dark world. We have the amazing opportunity to share so much joy with others. Let me transition now into the next phase of my church music journey in my teens and twenties, when I became increasingly resentful of the these and thous that permeated our liturgy and hymns. I didn't talk like that anywhere else except in church and when studying Shakespeare, and I was quite sure that God could understand plain old American English just fine. Fortunately, the 60s and 70s were a time of renaissance in church music, just as those years were times of great change in our nation. We learned to love new liturgies for the first time in my life with publication of the Lutheran Book of Worship. And in our campus ministry, we experienced an even greater variety of experimental liturgies like the Chicago Folk Service and later the Chicago Jazz Mass. It was during this time that we also became familiar with the work of John Ilvesacker, a wonderful musician who was known as the Pete Seeger of Lutheran music. If you're too young to recognize who Pete Seeger was, please Google great folk singers of the 20th century. During a career which sadly ended six years ago, Ilvesacker contributed over 1,000 new hymns and tunes to our repertoire. He gathered folk tunes from around the world, and his guiding philosophy was to match them with words that were both theologically meaningful and readily singable. Best of all, we didn't need these and thous to sing praises. I am pleased to say we had the opportunity to meet John twice in the 1990s. The best known of his songs is Borning Cry, which lives on today and is one of my all-time favorites. The song traces the life of one loved by God and has been used for baptisms, confirmations, weddings, and funerals, including the memorial service for my mother. One reviewer has described it as God singing a love song to humanity. It brings me quiet joy every time I hear or sing it, and I offer it to you now as sung by John's son, Matt.
I was there to hear your morning cry. I'll be there when you are old. I rejoiced the day you were baptized to see your life unfold. I was there when you were but a child with a faith to suit you well. In a blaze of light, you wandered off to find where demons dwell. When you heard the wonder of the word, I was there to cheer you on. You were raised to praise the living Lord, to whom you now belong. If you find someone to share your time and you join your hearts as one, I'll be there to make your verses rhyme from dusk till rising sun. In the middle ages of your life, not too old, no longer young. I'll be there to guide you through the night. Complete what I've begun. When the evening gently closes in, and you shut your weary eyes, I'll be there as I have always been, with just one. I was there to hear your warning cry. I'll be there when you are old. I rejoiced the day you were baptized to see your life Perhaps Paul was envisioning those very ideas when he wrote the next part of our text, Philippians chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. It is by your holding fast to the words of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you must also be glad and rejoice with me. End of quote. You see, both St. Paul and John Ilvesacker recognized the joy that comes from being part of the community of Christ. We're not alone in our faith journey, and we can rejoice with others as they learn and grow, just as they rejoice with us. My church families have always been a significant part of my life, even during difficult times. I know that God is working through them, and I sincerely hope that I have been equally a blessing to them. Finally, as I reflected on how to close this podcast, I wanted to represent the third era of my joy-filled journey in church music, namely the 21st century. 
Selecting just one song is a difficult choice. I'm very drawn to the energy and text of pieces like Matt Marr's All the People Said Amen. But I'll save that for another time, and instead for this Lenten podcast, I've chosen a song that continues the theme of God's lifting us up. In the face of wars and conflicts around the world and divisions in our own nation, it's easy to get discouraged and wonder what I can do to change any of that. Josh Groban's 2003 song, You Raise Me Up, both calms and inspires me to remember that God is always with us. St. Paul wasn't sure what might happen to him or to the little churches he helped to found. But he found joy in knowing that God was using him to spread the good news of God's love. I'll just summarize the next 12 verses of the Philippians text as Paul giving thanks for Timothy and Epaphroditus, who had been a great blessing and joy to him in ministry. Have you thanked the people who have brought you joy recently? And I hope you experience the same joy in whatever way you are a blessing to others. I have said often and will repeat it here. Begin each day with a simple prayer that God will let you make a difference in one person's life that day. More is great, but start with one. I've frequently been surprised when I reflect at the end of the day on how a simple kind word or help I offered even without thinking actually did make a difference for someone. By the way, as you listen now to You Raise Me Up, you might also hear some Irish influence in this rendition. But let me close with a traditional Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God bless you with many moments of quiet joy. When I am down and all my soul so weary When troubles come and my heart burdened be Then I am still and wait here in the silence Until you come and sit a while with me You raise me up So I can stand on mountains You raise me up To walk on stormy seas I am strong when I am on your shoulders